0: So we to, uh, to okay. Hi,
1: hey everybody. My name is Alex. I'm one of the to co Welcome to San Francisco Members of Disability, January 21, 2023. And um, please read um welcome
2: all right, um, so for roll call today, we have uh, Alex Madrid, mm-hmm. Sherry Albers, Present. Uh, Orchid Sasuni, Present. Um, and then we have Denise Senhawk, of Senha, uh, joining virtually. Uh, and that concludes roll call for today
0: okay first thing let's do the uh, official welcome first yeah, and then so let's go back and do the welcome uh, as written on the agenda please all right
2: All right. All right. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Mayor's Mayor's Disability Council this Friday, July twenty first, twenty twenty three. This is an in person and virtual hybrid meeting. This meeting is broadcast to the public on sfgov.tv. It is open captioned and sign language interpreted. The Mayor's Disability Council holds 10 public meetings yearly. They are generally held on the third Friday of every month. Please visit the MOD website at www.call the Mayor's Office on Disability, or call the Mayor's Office on Disability for further information, or to request accommodations at 415-554-6789, voice or by email at MOD at sfgov.org. In August there will be no MDC public meeting and the MDC will have an annual training planning retreat, excuse me. Our next regular meeting will be on Friday September fifteenth, twenty 2023 from 1 to 4 pm. It will also be a hybrid meeting and will be broadcast on SFGov TV. We thank you for joining us. Um, and then now we can move to um, the reading of the agenda. Um, so, item number one, uh, we have welcome and roll call. Um, item number two um, is the action item reading and approval of the agenda. Um, then we'll move to item number three. Ge- Yeah, after I read it.
0: She's reading it right now. Thank
2: you. (laughs) Um, And then we'll move to item number three, which is general public comment. Um, And then we will go to item number four, um, which is the co chair report. Item number five um, is a report from the mayor's office on disability. Then item number six is a discussion item, uh, the safe and accessible passage on San Francisco sidewalks update being presented by Lauren Bell from the San Francisco Department of Emergency Management and Ross McCarami, Urban Alchemy Homeless Engagement Assistance Response Team. Uh, And then we will take a 15 minute break. And afterwards, we'll move to item number seven. Uh, We'll have a discussion item, the accessible pedestrian signals presented by Dustin Young um, from the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. Then we will move to item number eight, um, which is correspondence. And then we will move to general public comments. And then we will read um, item number 10, which is an information item, um, council member comments and announcements. And then item number 11, which is adjournment.
1: Thank you. And without objection, I'm I'm getting it approval of the agenda. Okay, moving to item numbers. Um, three general
2: public comments. Yes, uh, we welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be two opportunities for general public comment during the meeting and time for item specific public comment after <clears throat> discussion items. Each comment is limited to three minutes unless the co-chair determines that in the interest of time, comments will be limited to a shorter time when there is a large number of public comments. For each public comment period, people with disabilities who wish to make public comments and who are comfortable identifying themselves as a person with a disability are invited to comment first. After these comments conclude, others will be invited to comment. The Brown Act forbids the council from taking action or discussing any items not appearing on the posted agenda including those items raised at public comment. If you would like the council to respond to your comments following the meeting, please provide your contact information by email message to MDC at sfgov.org with the subject MDC Comment Reply Request, (coughs) or you can call (coughs) 415-554-6789. If you're joining the MDC meeting as a webinar participant, members of the public will be able to make a public comment directly during the public comment periods. You can do so um, by clicking on the three horizontal dots icon and then clicking on the raise hand option. The clerk will recognize you when it's your turn. You may also use the Q&A feature in the WebEx webinar to make a comment. It is located on the top part of the video (coughs) after touching the screen. If you're using, uh, if you're joining by phone, you can dial uh, star three to indicate that you would like to make a comment and the clerk will prompt you when it's your turn. We welcome suggestions about how to make the MDC meetings more accessible. So please send an email to MDC at sfgov.org or you can call 415-554-6789. Uh, So for general public comment, we'll start with any members of the public who are joining us in person. Um, If they'd like to make a comment, they can line up at the podium. All right, I don't see anybody in person who would like to make a comment, so we'll move to those joining us virtually. Um, If you'd like to raise your hand um, to be recognized, to make a public comment. You may do so at this time. All right. doesn't look like anybody joining us virtually would like to make a comment at this time either. Um, So we will close public comment for right now. And we can move to uh, item number four. Uh,
0: One second, please. Test, we need an adjustment on the... Uh, on the captions, on the on uh, orchids control screen, please. So you need to select the open captions. So we're going to pause so we can do that access-wise, and then we'll re- restart.
3: You got it. Thank
0: you. All right.
1: So we are moving back to item uh, four culture report. Since the June MDC meeting, I represented the MDC at a community engagement event to gather input regarding the uh, um, update active the community plans. Council member has, um and Argue. 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 Sissini and Arquid provided a board of civil with comments regarding the services budget and newly informed housing community held at it its first meeting. Now, We are going to item number four um, reports to um, report from mayor's and disability director Nicole Vaughn.
0: Thank you, co-chair Madrid. Good afternoon everyone. I'm Nicole Vaughn. I'm the director of the (coughs) mayor's office on disability and I have a report for you today um, there's quite a bit of content. This is a June-July combined report, uh, so I'm gonna, I will uh, discuss some of the highlights, and uh, we, you have, uh, has been sent to you the full report, and also this report will be posted uh, um, with the Mayor's Disability Council materials uh, <coughs> online by Monday if it's not already up there. Um, and I'm welcome. I'm happy to answer any questions that council members may have. So, if you if any member of the public would like to engage with any aspect of this report, please contact us. There are several ways you can do that. You can contact us at mod@sfgov.org at or by calling voice or video phone 415-554-6789. I am going to start with uh, local and uh, state and federal legislative updates. So the first update is around Resolution 230269, which is the resolution honoring Judy Human and the UN Plaza protest of 1977. Uh, since our last meeting, this uh, resolution has been fully passed with recommendation and approved by the mayor's office. This resolution directs public works to install a commemorative plaque or uh, statuary in honor of the legacy of Judy and the historic disability rights protests in UN Plaza, which will be the first public recognition of a disability rights leader in San Francisco history. The council is encouraged to engage with MOD and the Board of Supervisors to support an accessible installation of this important commemoration, and also may consider requesting a status update on this. I would like to announce that shared spaces, the outdoor dining program is the permanent program, is now in effect, and as I mentioned in previous meetings, the council may wish to continue to track the accessibility and enforcement uh, progress of this program. There are a number of things in state legislation that are happening right now. Um, One is in relation to um, the California Public Utilities Commission and Autonomous Vehicles. So on August 10th, 2023, the CPUC will vote on draft resolutions TL-19145, and TL-19144, which would approve permanent AV operating permits in San Francisco. And wanted to let you know that the city is asking the commission to table the proposed resolutions in order to take time to develop and adopt minimum safety and accessibility standards so that people across the disability community can enjoy those benefits. That proceeding is coming up, and uh, we'll be taking public comment. As a reminder, permission for AVs to operate in San Francisco is regulated by the CPUC and not the SFMTA. And so, um, SFMTA and MOD are committed to supporting advocacy of the accessibility for AVs. And if you're interested in this kind of advocacy, please contact. ME or uh, SFMTA Accessible Services. There are now several federal pieces of legislation that I'd like to highlight today. First is one that I've mentioned before, which is the Air Carriers Access Amendments Act of 2023, which are parallel bills SB 545 and HR 1267, which will um, require improved accessibility for the airlines and all of the accessible features. MOD and the San Francisco airport are finalizing a joint support letter. I was hoping we would be farther along than we are, uh, but it's almost there. And there's also a specific sample template addressing those issues on the National Association for the Deaf website. Next, I'd like to let you all know about uh, rulemaking happening at the Housing and Urban Development, or HUD. It's non-discrimination on the basis of disability. Updates to HUD's Section 504 regulations. The comments are due on this coming Monday. And they're asking specific questions that are posted at Federal Register and also linked in this report, and wanted to let you know that MOD and Disability and Aging Services are are submitting joint comment to very specific questions that this rulemaking is asking uh, that support many of our findings from the affordable housing needs assessment that you've heard in this group. Moving on now to uh, local news and announcements, Uh, since our last public convening, the Coalition of Municipal Offices for Persons with Disabilities, including us at MOD, uh, met with the Department of Transportation Secretary Buttigieg and his staff in Washington, D.C. on June 1st. To discuss our January 2023 request letter, which I've attached and provided for you before. The collective accessibility agenda related to communication access for deaf individuals in air travel, ground transportation committee representation, paratransit and on-demand transportation improvements like for taxis and for TNCs like Uber and Lyft and improvements for service dog uh, in wheelchair users, specifically in these venues, and also autonomous vehicles. The meeting was a very successful first step in building relationships with the federal government on behalf of municipalities, and I'd be very happy and glad to present more on this at an upcoming public meeting. Next announcement, congratulations to our very own Tess Bartlett, your clerk for today. She is MOD's new community development assistant who, among other duties, will be assisting in tracking and implementation of programmatic and architectural improvements. And she, as you know, served as MOD's fellow for the 22-23 year, and we're really thrilled to continue to have her aboard. And in terms of announcements, final announcement before I get to other suggested content is July 26, 2023 is the 33rd anniversary of the ADA. In celebration, City Hall will be lit in the international disability color of purple, thanks to uh, your former council member, Tiffany Yu. That is permanently on the calendar, it looks like, which is great. Uh, Internally, MOD, WITH SUPPORT FROM THE PUBLIC LIBRARY AND OTHERS, IS HOSTING A HALF-DAY ADA SYMPOSIUM FOR DEPARTMENTAL ADA COORDINATORS AND CITY STAFF. AND WE HOPE TO MAKE SOME VARIATION OF THIS IN THE ANNUAL OCCURRENCE. THANKS ESPECIALLY TO TESS AND DEPUTY DIRECTOR DEBBIE Kaplan FOR ALL OF YOUR WORK ON THIS EVENT. A COUPLE OF ITEMS, uh, MOVING ON TO THINGS THAT YOU MIGHT WANT TO CONSIDER FOR FUTURE Meetings. So, uh, first, the uh, Mayor's Office on Disability twenty-two, twenty-three, public report to you. We're happy to present that. We will be presenting a year in review update as part of our ADA coordinator's internal uh, meeting and training, and the council may also consider hearing this report so we can have it in a public forum. I've already spoken to... Um, AVs and transportation. Also wanted to let you know that um, we're working continually with um, the Department of Building Inspection related to the city's compliance with the Accessible Business Entrance Program, and we're also uh, refocusing some of our architectural efforts citywide into architectural access barrier removal obligations under the ADA. And so you might want to consider requesting an update on these two items. I think it's been a while since this uh, this body has heard about architectural access. And there are are other um, things you might want to take a look at. I'll let you read more details uh, at your leisure, including uh, wayfinding follow-up from the Golden Gate Park Program, disability employment updates, where you could learn about what we're doing with data collection efforts and reasonable accommodations for employees and consider advocating for uh, ASL interpretation support um, for our employees with disabilities who require ASL and potential anti-ableism and accessibility training among other things. And that's where I'll pause uh, for today. Happy if there are any Questions from council members. Otherwise, we can move to the next item.
1: Thank you, Director ben. Right now we are going to item number six. Discussion item um, safe and accessible accessible passage on San Francisco Cypress its- Tarot Update by Lauren Bell. San Francisco Department of Emergency Embrace- mm-hmm. Management and Laws Make Care uh, Leave me up homeless engagement X. Ex- I seriously was supposed to. Wake up.
3: good afternoon everybody director bond deputy director kaplan and mdc thank you so much for having us back again to share an update on collaborative efforts to address blocked sidewalks efforts that are responsive to the rights of people in the disability community my name is lauren bell i'm the street response planning coordinator with the department of emergency management i am Very happy to be here today with colleagues from DEM, as well as our partner, Urban Alchemy, who you will meet shortly. I was last here in March when we talked about a range of topics, legal decisions, and pending legal matters that impact our work, the city's commitment to ensuring safe and accessible public spaces, guidance on how to get a response to a blocked sidewalk or doorway, and we introduced the development of a new team, the Community Response Team, which now has a much better name thanks to Urban Alchemy, the Homeless Engagement Assistance Response Team, or HART, which you'll hear more about in a minute. So today's focus will build on that information. Our Deputy Director, Rob Smuts, will clarify the role of DEM in this collaborative effort and the UA Heart team will give you some amazing information on their work, on the role that they play in this collaborative effort, and we look forward to answering questions either during the conversation or at the end. So thanks for having us back again, and I will hand it over to my colleague, Director Smuts.
4: Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Robert Smuts. I'm deputy director for the Department of Emergency Management. Specifically, I oversee the Division of Emergency Communication, otherwise known as San Francisco 9-1-1 Center. Um, the San Francisco 9-1-1 Center, we answer nine one one calls, as well as the public safety non-emergency number uh, 553-0123. <coughs> and um, Just a little bit about us before I uh, focus on issues related to block sidewalks. We answer uh, a little over 100,000 calls per month. Um, That is split fairly evenly, Um, maybe about 55% are 911 calls and 45% are non-emergency calls. Uh, We dispatch about, uh, in the rough estimate of about 30,000 police incidents per month, about 10,000 medical incidents per month, and about 2,500 fire incidents per month. Um, Some of the calls that we take are related to conditions on the street uh, and specifically related to issues such as block sidewalks. Um, Prior to mid May, uh, if somebody called to report a block sidewalk, uh, we would certainly take that call and dispatch it. um, But we did not have a call code that was specific to that issue alone it was folded into other codes so it's hard to know exactly the number of calls per month that we had since may we created a code specific to blocked sidewalks to make tracking a lot easier with one month of data and this could could vary with more data but with one month of data we had about 650 calls um, come in largely to our non-emergency numbers that related to blocked sidewalks When we get a call related to block sidewalks, we will prioritize it based on the situation that's reported. Uh, That is, we will prioritize and have a much quicker response. If somebody is reporting that they are unable to get to where they need to go uh, based on a block sidewalk, as opposed to a block sidewalk that somebody might have noticed in passing, uh, which would get a lower priority response. Um, So in reporting An issue to either nine one one or to our non-emergency number. It is very important to specify provide that information to the call taker. Um, Just a note about our center. Also, um, we we take TTY and we also do text to nine one one. Issues can be reported that way to uh, the nine one one center. Historically, these calls related to block sidewalks had been handled solely by the police department. Uh, we would dispatch police officers to respond to issues of block sidewalk. Um, the HART initiative that uh, we're here to speak about today uh, is now assisting with those and helping to improve our response times uh, and uh, approach to a lot of these calls. Um, we've been working very closely with HART uh, as we roll out this program, uh, and to make sure that we are able to handle these calls effectively, um, deal with data tracking issue, uh, to make sure that we're, we're, able to assess the job that we're doing, uh, and, and other issues like that. I'll also note that, um, heart is, uh, dispatched by, uh, their um, their team by Urban Alchemy, uh, but they uh, operate on a staff channel that is staffed by the 911 Center. Uh, so we have that coordination with um, the rest of public safety uh, departments. Um, calls can come to heart uh, via um, my division, uh, Emergency Communication, the 911 Center. They can also come via uh, issues reported through 311. Uh, MOST COMMONLY, THE 311 APP. Uh, AND ALL OF THOSE CALLS WILL BE REVIEWED BY A 911 SUPERVISOR uh, AND um, ALLOCATED TO HEART TO RESPOND, OR IF uh, IT NEEDS A QUICKER RESPONSE OR uh, A DIFFERENT TYPE OF RESPONSE, uh, POLICE OR SOMETIMES EVEN uh, A COMBINATION OF POLICE AND MEDICAL. Um, and. Those are some of the key points that I wanted to convey about our work going on here. Um, and so just to summarize, uh, the, the way the best way to report, a on block sidewalk, uh, if it is an emergency, if, if, uh, the person cannot go through and is in an unsafe circumstance, certainly can, uh, you, uh, call 911. Uh, if it is not emergency, um, you can call our non-emergency public safety number, which is 415-553-0123. Uh, issues can also be reported through 311, particularly the 311 app, um, uh, if it is a non-emergency situation. Uh, and we will make sure that we respond uh, uh, appropriately based on the information provided. Thank you. I'll Turn it back over to Lauren.
5: Good afternoon, honorable council members. My name is Ross Mercurimi. I'm the director of the San Francisco Heart Program, a project of Urban Alchemy. It's a pleasure to be for you today. Um, We are just now into our second month or so of our operation, and we just completed a major milestone in our early startup, and that is a report that we've now published that reflects the work of um, our progress and challenges in the month of June. And because we're contracted with the city and the Department of Emergency Management, and we work very closely with DEM and the Department of Emergency Communications, uh, this report really is an amalgamation of the focus that San Francisco Heart is so vigorously trying to apply every day. It is our charge to help reduce as much law enforcement response as we can as it relates to people experiencing homelessness and the distress on the streets. That's no small feat, but because I think of the team that we've been able to develop and the way that we've structured our operation, I think we're showing some real progress. In the month of June, when we were dispatched through the Department of Emergency Communications, we had received Um, 1,229 dispatches, we responded 95% of the time, plus with 1,174 resolved calls. Almost 50% of those, not quite, about 46, 45%, at that level were related to ADA block sidewalks. And that's a lot. And so the people of San Francisco are being mindful That this is something that is more than just important to the Disability Council or to people, ADA, but yet it is part of who we are to make sure that people have access. So we would dispatch our teams. We have four teams. We operate Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., and on Saturdays, 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m., the same for Sunday. And of those four teams, up to four teams of vans, we cover citywide with practitioners, people who have been rigorously trained, some who had already been engaging as a practitioner for people who are distressed living on the streets and need relief from the streets, seeking housing, um, response to a disorder or co-occurring disorders with substance abuse or um, behavioral illness or any combination thereof. And we engage them in a way, our people, when they're dispatched, that we're hoping is more than just compassionate, although these aren't clinicians, but we certainly stress sort of a therapeutic you know, level of contact. And the idea is to impress upon them that where they're located, and we're not enforcers of the law, but where they're located, that they're blocking the sidewalk They're violating or they're certainly not aware of the four-foot rule in that regard. And would you work with us, please, in putting it to the side, getting it out of the way, or perhaps even a better resolution than that. And then concurrently, our people are asking them, do you want housing? Do you want shelter? And then on the spot, we're able to then try to link them up to that access through access points, through the cities, and are certainly community agency partners. Do you want treatment for what may very much be on their minds? And that's what we're trying to do in our engagements. And we track that information. The tools that we use in the field, we have iPad, secured, encrypted, that we use through what is called the Connector Worker app. To respond to the initiated call, and then we parlay that information to a more comprehensive report that we use in Zendesk. Our teams in the field use PD radios for the non urgent 911 calls and 301 calls so that there is that continuity between dispatch and deployment, both with the DEM and for us at our office. And then internally, they have their own radio, a Motorola 100, that they will talk to us in our office just to make sure that everything that we're engaging has the level of um, completeness and excellence, hopefully, that we can possibly do. And what's interesting is when I was mentioning earlier about the ADA portion of calls that were dispatched to, about 46%, of that, about 35 to 40% are called gone on arrivals. Our people would arrive in order to help resolve, find some resolution, if in fact people were in housed or people who are um, located themselves on the streets need some extra special attention. But by the time we arrive, people are already gone, but their, um, you know, their tents might remain, there may be debris, what have you then we would take whatever next steps are possible. But the fact remains, though, that there is a substantial population of people. If we weren't checking in on them, the police would be. And when you consider sort of the delta, the difference of what it would cost for the police to be doing, also the kind of work that we're beginning to do, we're trying to be pragmatic with resources. And I think that that's what hard is striving to do. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. Thank you.
3: Hello. Thank you so much. So, I think what we wanted to impress on everybody today is just our real continuing commitment um, to making this better, to making sure our streets are accessible and safe. Um, I think, as you heard from Director Smuts, through his leadership, there is a very solid backbone at the DEC for responding to these calls. Mm. This is one of our first services. Contracted services that is fully integrated into the 911 system, mm-hmm. and through Director Smuts, through Ross and his colleague Catherine, who is in the back, there's also a very strong program backbone to this. That doesn't mean everything was perfect in the first month of rollout; it wasn't, but I think we all were pretty impressed by how streamlined it was, mm-hmm. uh, given that it's a pretty big operation. So. We will continue to collect data. Um, HART is submitting monthly reports to DEM. Uh, what we'd like to do is do a quarterly report back so we can see a little more change over time and come back to MOD and or this group to report back. Um, I know that both Ross and Catherine have mentioned an interest from their team to continue to learn about the needs in the disability community. So if there are meetings, if there are conversations where their practitioners can talk directly to folks who are impacted by blocked sidewalks, they welcome it. Um, so I don't know, Director Bond, if we could continue that conversation. Um, but there's a real urgency here for us to make this better than, than what we're seeing. And we talked about this last time. It's mm-hmm. obviously quite complicated. Um, there isn't kind of an easy magic wand solution here mm-hmm. that is a win-win for everybody's needs. But we're really trying to get to that balance. So um, as Ross said, happy to answer any questions or return in you know a few months with some more information for you.
1: I think uh, we have a lot of questions. And of course, um, I'm going to ask my cousin members if they have questions first, and then go to the staff and in public comments, okay? I, I see good okay. hands first. Go ahead, Okay.
6: Yes, hello. If I could have the camera directed on me. Thank you so much. So I live in District 9 and that's uh, very near the Mission neighborhood. There's a lot of people selling things on the street, and it's difficult for me to walk, especially in the 24th um, corridor, which, is, which I use to exit from BART. And that area consistently is difficult to pass through. So just coming out of the station and getting through, I feel like it's very difficult to walk in that uh, neighborhood. I imagine people who have visibility issues um, can easily trip over those things. The sidewalks are quite cr- crowded, not only with people selling items but also debris, and also there's um, there's items from you know even up to the street street window or uh, store windows and so forth. I don't like to call the police for these types of issues, and also just getting through the system, navigating it as a deaf individual is challenging. Just getting to a live person you can you might might navigate a few different hoops and then finally get a live person to talk to to resolve an issue but it would be great to have some of those areas more easily accessible for people to pass through but it's a challenge and it's been consistent uh, consistently a problem in that neighborhood
3: thanks so much for your comments i have a couple thoughts and i'm sure um, my colleagues might have some additional input as well So a few issues um, or needs. The first is kind of the sidewalks themselves and uh, just want to continue to encourage uh, that you can text needs as Director Smut said to 911. Um, There is other resources available to communicate with dispatchers um, as well. So the more that information comes to us, the more we can track kind of the needs. There's nothing wrong with submitting Uh, A request multiple times if you go in the morning and it's frustrating if you return home and it's frustrating as we know it is and can be it is okay to submit multiple times Um, what the heart report did show in June that this won't surprise you the mission is definitely one of the highest areas where they responded to for ADA and blocked sidewalks calls and we anticipate that that will continue uh, you might know that there's a new resource through the ambassador program called the Mission Connectors. So the HART team and the Mission Connectors at some point can also continue to coordinate a little bit better so that there's a little more communication about needs on the street. Um, if the coordinators have tried and they weren't able to get somebody to relocate in a way that makes sense for everybody, Um the heart team could then come in. So we're trying to sort of stagger our efforts in kind of diplomatic and inclusive ways that address the needs of folks who are distressed but also resolve the challenge at hand as well. So we can continue to report back on that, and maybe next time we come, we can take a deeper dive
6: into the mission for you as well. I have an additional comment. One thing I notice about... um, the Mission District is that just in general, there's so much debris and and um, just different items that are not cleaned up. And, and I typically use the 311 as a harder access, but I'll keep that in mind as a potential way to get um, through to someone. I just think that there's so much, uh, street cleaning is a challenge because there are so many um, items and people that need to be navigated around. There's also issues with the sidewalk itself being uneven. The concrete is separating in places and creating uh, passage difficulty, so it's not as smooth. It might just be you know, an inch or so where the cement has separated from one, one panel to the next, and that can be uh, an additional navigational issue.
3: Thanks for that. I will say, and again, this is not surprising. There are so many different efforts that are focused in the mission um, around street conditions, around addressing the needs of people. And I think as we all see every day, the scale of need continues to be extremely large. So um, you know, through developing efforts in the city, through DMAC when it comes to some of the illegal vending, um, there are efforts to really kind of focus differently in that area, and we're hoping there's going to be impact. Um, so the city keeps trying new strategies to make impact, and I think while some days it feels a little bit intractable, what our you know kind of our motto or our ethos is is that we're going to keep going back, and we're going to keep trying, and we're going to keep trying to reinvent a new strategy that has a different effect. Um,
1: Thank you so much. Next thank you. Is
7: to oh, thank you. Um, hi, Lauren. Um, first, uh, before I ask my question, um, I'm not able to figure out um, because it's not accessible what these charts are on the PowerPoint presentation.
3: I'm not sure. There was a couple of versions shared. I'm not exactly sure what version you have. I'm happy to submit a paper copy. The, the current version is just a, a, um, a white background with black print on it, and there are no charts in the current version. Um, I'm happy to give the color version to the council after the meeting. I can make a copy and bring it back up. So, that. that's not
7: going to help me because I'm blind, and I okay. was I need a uh, like I needed an audio description. One was a quarterly report. Yep. Of something.
3: The quarterly report was just going to be a verbal report. So what you heard from Ross Mercurimi was part of the the quarterly report.
7: Okay. Um.
3: But, but we're happy to answer questions. If some of the I, the comments kind of raised questions for you, we can talk I them through. I just didn't
7: understand what the um, what what because it looks like the chart the chart goes down. So what was improved? I mean, I didn't. Um, so does that mean something has improved every quarter? And I'm wondering what is improved and is it in a certain part of the city specifically that that has been compared is it year to year or sure yeah
3: i don't want to speak for my colleagues so if you (laughs) want to answer but the heart program just launched on may 30th it is very new so what is included
7: points on here though so that's why i'm confused
3: yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry for the the misunderstandings on there, and we're happy to correct it.
0: So this is Nicole speaking. So two things: one for members of the public. Unfortunately, we weren't broadcasting the PowerPoint during the presentation. That was an error on our part. We'll make sure for the next presentation that we inform the control room about that. Sorry about that. And then um, we'll uh, we need to do. It sounds like we need to do some work with the PowerPoint to do some uh, description of some of the visuals. Sure. So we'll do that and then we'll post it um, publicly so that everybody can uh, reference it appropriately. And then, Sherry, if there are other yeah, um, specific you. questions, let's. Thank you, Nicole. Um, Sorry. I definitely. No apologies. I just want to make sure that we have a, a, a remedy that'll work.
7: Perfect. Okay. So my question actually uh, relating to my experience, um, I work uh, at 1155 Market um, at the Civic Center Bart Station area, and um, I'm not seeing much of an improvement there. I know at one point um, the uh, unhoused um People were moved away because of the ADA um, compliance issue. That you know they were they needed to be moved. Um, they seem to be back again. And especially, I had a really terrible experience um, a Saturday in June, and that's why I was listening carefully to um, the hours of uh, the Urban Alchemy teams. Um, but I well, first and actually, I really need to say that I love what Urban. Alchemy does, and I'm really loving this new heart program um, and the, you know the the whole, um, you know the the, the way it's geared towards you know helping and and not just moving people pick you know, um, but uh, anyway so I had a very bad experience on a Saturday so that's why I'm like well where was everybody on the Saturday because I was in back of the. Uh, the 1155 building, where I needed to get an Uber, and um, they were back in droves and like challenging me, literally challenging me to walk between them um, with a bike and a person kneeling, you know, leaning on the side of the bill of a of a walk. I'm sorry, a, a cement um, barrier, and I. So I'm like. I DON'T KNOW WHAT THE SOLUTION IS, BUT IT JUST DOESN'T SEEM LIKE IT'S GETTING ANY BETTER BACK THERE. Um, SO I DON'T KNOW IF if THAT AREA HAS BEEN um, A
3: HOT SPOT um, LATELY, BUT, YEAH, THAT'S MY COMMENT. FIRST, SORRY THAT HAPPENED TO YOU. IT SOUNDS SCARY AND AWFUL. Um, SECONDLY, I MEAN, THAT AREA IS ROUTINELY IMPACTED, Mm -hmm. AND, um, AGAIN, I DON'T KNOW IF ROSS OR Catherine WANTS TO COMMENT, BUT, Urban Alchemy's team, obviously Heart is one project and they have an array of other services Mm -hmm. that are also kind of blanketing uh, Mm -hmm. the mid-market area as well um, and providing support um, and helping folks to disperse different areas. Um, What you described, I don't know, Director Smuts, I mean, you can also, anytime there's a safety issue and you feel like there's a concern with your safety is to call 911 and Report that as well. Um, I don't know if you have any additional insight you
4: want to share. Uh, again, uh, Rob Smuts, uh, Department of Emergency Management. Okay. Um, when we're trying to assess the proper response for for different issues, there are the strict ADA issues, which uh, you know the uh, the four or six feet uh, passageway uh, on a street, and then there are also uh, issues related to. Even if there is technically four feet of clearance, if you don't feel safe passing through, that's another issue. Um, and I think that um, uh, Ross can speak to this afterwards. But I, one of the things that I think Hard is trying to do is address both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the narrower, just getting four feet of clearance issue is is, is perhaps easier to address um than than the the broader issue um but uh having um comfortable streets having ha- making sure that the that they're uh able to be used by all is is a broader um uh thing and so i'll i'll turn it over to to ross maybe to speak to to that a little more thank you
5: uh, thank you robert and dem DEC. um first of all council member thank you for that great comment and welcoming us. And like I said, I think our first you know couple months have been um, you know, we've seen some progress and we're going to continue to build on that progress. We like the numbers where they're at, but we'll continue to uh, better them over month to month. As it relates, I think, to your personal frustrations, I mean it, it is the continued wake-up call, I think, for the city to try to resolve that and the agencies that are assigned in those areas, too. And I know our agency is very, very um, vigilant about doing everything they possibly can. Um, But as it relates specifically to our organization, the SF Heart, we generally are deployed by dispatch from 311 or non-911 calls. Um, And our vans and our teams go everywhere citywide. And we are covering all 10, um, you know, district police stations, 11 supervisory neighborhoods, and we're called, you know, to all 118 neighborhoods uh, in San Francisco. And sometimes we will have street teams that kind of peel off from our van. And if they can be helpful, like in the situation that you had experienced, then we will do everything we possibly can to make that happen. Generally, those 911 and 311 non urgent calls that makes the large um, percentage of what we respond to and prepare for. But we also can send teams out too, uh, and they will do what is called an on view to also help address these matters. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I of um, Before I ask per question, can I ask the clerk to check if any council member online has questions or
0: online right now? Do you have uh, questions that you would like to contribute? Council member Sanho, hi Denise, if you have questions, now is a good time. Okay. We're gonna, we're trying to see if if she can unmute here. Okay. One second. I think let's move on and then if, if she unmutes, then we'll come back, Alex. But why don't you go ahead?
1: Thank you. Hello, and am seeing here again. Um, I have a lot of questions, so bear with me. I know uh, that you came to us a couple months ago, and I asked a question regarding a couple, Well, I'm going to ask, what? Well, one thing regarding what other members of the class regarding specifically on 6th um, between six and seven market street, I been experiencing on um, there's a lot of people on the street. Blocking the way, and also doing drugs, and between three to seven p.m., especially um, desert Friday. I didn't mention that to you before, and I just curious that it hasn't changed much. And so that's one question I have for you. What are your strategies on tackling that issue? And the second thing is that I just want to ask one more time and without any disrespectful to the people that doing people on the street or when uh, walkers it people are possibly about doing drugs with the people on the street and how would you make sure those people that are supposed to be helping all kinds of people with disability and disability are not a decision on doing drugs or um, um, doing the drugs themselves. I just want to make sure that I'm not saying that as a disrespectfully anyway I just wanna make sure that that I'm is addressed and can you maybe talk about that and also what's the plan on making sure that has spots is continue being improve. and the last thing that I want to ask is that, during the weekend, I don't see any ambassadors or any people on the street that supposed to be protecting people.
3: Yeah, so there's several comments on that. Thank you very much for sharing. I think you know that particular area, 6th, 7th Mission, mid-market, is obviously an area that is of intense focus for the city. Uh, DEM, kind of in addition to everything that Director Smuts talked about and certainly Hart, um, is working very closely with an array of other city partners, uh, specifically the police department and public health under a new strategy that you might have read about in the paper that is called DMAC. Mm. I don't actually, in this very moment, kind of, I can't spell out the acronym, but can get you more information on Mm -hmm. it. It is uh, a strategic effort focused kind of in a few key areas, drug use, drug selling, illegal permits, and really trying to both address the crime as well as the needs of some folks. Uh, as you're saying, as you were saying about not wanting to be disrespectful to folks who are on the street who are also struggling, we see it through the same lens. There are certain crimes that we really want to address and use our, our resources in the right way to address those, while also recognizing that a lot of the the circumstances that are driving people's behaviors need to be addressed through a public health and other services approach. So. I THINK THIS IS, WE'VE TRIED AS A CITY KIND OF OTHER EFFORTS TO REALLY GET STRATEGIC ACROSS DEPARTMENTS. Um, I THINK UNDER THE DMAC EFFORT, THERE'S A REAL FOCUS ON USING DATA TO REALLY DRIVE WHERE ARE THE POCKETS OF NEED, WHERE ARE THE uh, INDICATIONS OF RESPONSES, WHAT'S WORKING, WHAT'S NOT, WHAT HOURS OF THE DAY, uh, YOU KNOW, KIND OF WE NEED TO REALLY FOCUS ATTENTION. Evening hour services is something that is constantly on the minds of the city. Um, most of our services, generally speaking, are kind of that nine to five. Uh, I believe there are ambassador programs on the weekend, but I'd love to work with one of our colleagues at DEM to get you a schedule of ambassador programs so at least you could know what they are. Um, they did uh, one uh organization code tenderloin is piloting some evening hours in mid-market but as you're suggesting the the scale of the problem the scale of the need is quite big so the pilot's only going to cover a section but what we want to see is you know what is that what's the impact in the evening and are there lessons that we can learn for expanding so in summary it's an area that's constantly on the mind of the city and um, yeah, there's new strategies under DMAC that we hope will make a difference.
1: One, one clarification regarding on um, the staffing with the hawk and the open, I forgot, I'm sorry I forgot the name, but, but the open,
3: uh, open air are you thinking uh is it a service or a drug use I
1: uh, no as a ambassador um I think it was a oh, oh, been the people that are the street that, um the stuff of the hug and I believe I forgot the the um the um the people did the same people who are on the block elevators. Okay. Um, the attendant uh, on the street. Um, I just want to ask and with this that. I, I just want to make sure that those people are, um, are not Doing illegal stuff, and and uh, of course they're supposed to watch the people on the street to make sure that um, they're not um, blocking the way. I, just, I think you know my this and just that I've been. Seeing some people on the street, those um, uh, has the uniform of open, the green, open, and the heart that um, seems, some of my I think, stretches activities. So I just wanna ask what's the protocol and do they do a a check with those stuff? Remember before they send out to the street and make sure those streets are safe to all people.
3: Yeah. Another um, service, another strategy I want to share with you is we are really happy at DEM. We have a new colleague, Andre Tori, who is on our team, who is responsible for helping to coordinate a really, really wide array yeah. of ambassador programs. So ambassador programs do a few different things. Not every team does the exact same service, so to speak. But I think as a city, we're looking for threads um, of similar skill sets we want to have across all the teams. I guess
1: sir- my question yeah. I'm just going to ask from black all of those ambassadors are they being a bug on checks and make sure they're not uh, doing illegal? activities, work with homeless people doing illegal stuff. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at, And I'm sorry about being point Mm blanked.
3: I understand what you're saying entirely. Um, I think I mean, the goal of those of the roles of the ambassadors is obviously to provide a public service that creates a safe, safe, inclusive and welcoming space. Um, Andre's role on our team is to help work with each ambassador team to achieve that goal. So if there are problems with the teams, it sounds like you've had some observations of people that there were questions about what they were doing. Part of what DEM is trying to do with Andre's role is to really help build skills across each team to really anchor, these are the city's priorities. These are the city's goals. Here's the expectations for conduct, for public service, et cetera. Um, So, so many of these teams work extremely hard and they do a really good job, and I know you know that. So they do a really good job. If and when there are occasions where things go sideways and somebody's performance isn't what it should be, the organization needs to kind of respond to that. And then as a city partner, WE WANT TO WORK WITH THAT ORGANIZATION, TOO, TO REALLY ADDRESS WHAT HAPPENED AND TO SAY AND ASK, WHAT'S THE IMPROVEMENT PLAN? HOW ARE THINGS GOING TO CHANGE? So, ANDRE'S BEEN WITH US, I THINK, ABOUT THREE AND A HALF MONTHS NOW, SO NOT VERY LONG YET. BUT um, I BELIEVE IN MAYBE OCTOBER, NOVEMBER, THERE'S GOING TO BE A REPORT ON KIND OF THE STATUS OF THE AMBASSADOR PROGRAM. So. We would be happy to share that report with you please, so you can see please. kind of what the, the uh, it'll list challenges as well as opportunities for yeah. improvement. So.
1: Thank you so much for that kind and of, uh, open dialogue. And I'm sorry if I'm being.
3: Blunt. <laughs> not at all i mean that transparency that honesty is part of what moves the needle if people don't say what they're seeing and experiencing it's hard to respond in the best possible way yeah. so i we appreciate the honesty Th-
1: thank you yep. with that, i'm going to ask the staff
0: if any question that they may have thank you council Member madrid uh this nickel speaking first thank you to Lauren and Rob and our colleagues for coming today, and thank you for coming back. Uh, first thing I want to say is um, this effort is the first real progress that we've seen in a long time, as you know. So so although we have a long way to go, what we're doing so far is very encouraging. And um, the most active that we've been about really trying to engage with safety and security of our residents with disabilities in a very active way. So thank you and let's keep it up and let's keep, keep reporting. Um, I'm just, my one comment, it's not really a question, but I, I, and I know you've worked very closely with us and MOD also, so thank you. I, I really, based on the comments today, um, really want to keep working on even easier ways for folks to, to bring in non-emergency situations so that we can really track those. And that non-emergency number, as you know, is really hard to remember. And we have uh, folks who are blind and have low vision and folks who are deaf or hard of hearing where, where, where accessing a number like that is quite difficult. So I want to continue to work on um, work on that. I don't know if there's more you can say about that, but maybe at a, um, the next time you come back, I'm assuming based on their level of engagement, this council will want you to come back again and keep keep us updated on, on how things are going because this is a, it's a really uh, critical um, issue. And, and then next time you come, um, uh, I would also love to hear a little bit more about. Um, how it's going when you're engaging with folks and, and asking them to uh, clear the way how receptive they're being, if you have much of a sense of their willingness to um, kind of kind of keep the pathways clear and safe, I know there are certain situations, especially when we have open air drug use where that can be very difficult. Um, but we'll keep working on it i'd love to just kind of hear more about any of the success that our uh that our heart team is is getting to um that's all
3: perfect i know there are some conversations that director smuts is having with 311 about kind of ways to access heart services and other non-emergencies so um it's still in development and uh we can you know come back and talk about that and then Certainly, I mean, I can speak from the DEM perspective and just say how impressed we've been with Urban Alchemy, with Hearts compassion, with the dignity that they bring to the work, to the respect that they bring to the work. Um, and what I keep saying to them, too, the urgency that they're bringing to the work, that their teams go out there and really both try to connect and resolve. And there's a real uniqueness, I, I think, to the, the way that their team is doing work. and. We're very happy to be in partnership with them. So I'm sure we can characterize the work as you're asking a little bit more in the future. Great, yeah. thank you. You got it.
8: And I have some questions too. Um, So since I'm um, the one at MOD who oversees our complaints intake, um, I'd like to ask a couple questions related to that. One is the data that you're keeping, are you tracking how long it takes before the non-emergency calls are answered, um, and secondly, are you keeping track of the amount of time it takes for the response to occur for the disability-related calls?
3: We are. I'm going to take a stab, and if I get anything wrong, will you help me out, or do you want to come on up? Perfect. Thank you, Rob. <clears throat>
4: we do have uh, rob smuts uh, department of emergency management we do have ability to look at both of those questions um wait times i, I think you were asking about the actual call to get Th- the call answered yeah um wait times for non emergency are a lot higher right now than we would like we are we are significantly short staffed and uh, obviously we do prioritize answering the 911 calls which can uh, oftentimes lead to quite a quite a backlog non-emergency at times Uh, we know that's an issue we are working very hard on uh recruiting uh, and hiring and training uh, more staff on that we can provide data on that Um, uh, and just to that um we are working as lauren said to coordinate um how to get How to be able to promote just two numbers, 911 and 311, and make sure that if you know those, you can get to the right place. And so we've been working a lot with 311 to have a pathway through 311 to get to our non-emergency answering, and we can speak to that a little more next time we come back. Um, The second part of your question, I think, was about uh, after a call is reported, how long, uh, whether we're tracking how long it takes to respond to those calls. UH AND and YES WE WE DO HAVE THAT INFORMATION WE WILL BE LOOKING TO UM UH TO REPORT ON THAT UH IN IN AN AGGREGATE MANNER UM ONE ONE OF THE THINGS THAT REALLY LED TO THIS WHOLE EFFORT WAS THE THE SORT OF RECOGNITION THAT A LOT OF THESE CALLS WERE WAITING FOR QUITE A LONG TIME UH TO HAVE POLICE RESPONSE WITH POLICE UH STAFFING UH ISSUES UM UH Calls about block sidewalks could often pen for a long time. Uh, and we have seen significant improvement with heart, um, taking a lot of these calls, uh, and we'll be able to provide more data to speak to that.
8: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think it will be great to see the data and hopefully eventually we see some trends that are, um, for improvement. Um, uh, just personally, um, I've had a lot of experience since our offices are right near the, um, city center, um, with the ambassadors and just want to say that it, it's things have definitely improved. Um, they're not perfect at all. And our offices are right at six and, and market. And so sometimes it's. It's disheartening. Um, But I wonder whether you've considered specifically um, looking at the elevator coming up from Bard and Muni onto UN Plaza as a place to try to keep clear, since we know that that is used by people with disabilities as a major way for people to. Um, HAVE MOBILITY AROUND THE CITY. Um, YOU KNOW, I'VE HAD INCIDENTS THERE AND SOMETIMES um, IT SEEMS LIKE THAT'S A PLACE THAT PEOPLE LIKE TO HANG OUT. I'D LIKE TO COME
3: BACK WITH SOME ADDITIONAL INFORMATION ON THAT BECAUSE, AGAIN, I KNOW THE AREA IS JUST SUCH A POINT OF FOCUS. I KNOW THERE ARE AMBASSADOR PROGRAMS IN THE AREA. I KNOW BART'S GOT uh, AMBASSADOR AND OTHER program. So maybe we can do a little cataloging of what's available, what the hours are, and kind of understand a little bit better, at least for me, because I don't have yeah. it off the, the top of my mind, um, what's being done, and if there are any gaps that we can bring back to this conversation with some ideas for improvements. Right. Um, it, that area comes up so often, and certainly the elevator comes up quite a bit, as do bus shelters and other spaces and places where everybody needs to be.
8: Yep. Yeah. Great, thank you.
0: Thank it? you very much. You. Uh, right now, we're going to public comment. Go ahead and go ahead and read the instructions for public comment again, please, Tess.
2: Yeah, sure. So, just as a reminder to the public, um, if you'd like to make a comment, if you're joining us in person, you can come line up at the podium, um, or we do have the speaker cards located uh, on the table. Um, at the front uh, near the microphones um, if you'd like to make an in-person public comment. And if you're joining us um, on WebEx, you can indicate that you'd like to make a comment by using the raise hand feature, um, using the three um, dot icons and then clicking the raise hand option, or you can dial star three if you're joining by phone. Um, So we'll start with anybody who's joining us in person today if they'd like to make a public comment oh it looks like denise would actually like to make um uh, go ahead okay denise. Go ahead,
9: denise. good afternoon everyone um i just want to reiterate some of the concerns about the area that were brought up Uh, around the mayor's office on disability. I appreciate the comments that were made for people with disabilities and traveling to and from that area. Me, I'm partially, um, I'm visually um, impaired and it's really hard for me to assess the situation until I'm right on top of it. And like other people, I've had similar problems. So I really appreciate um, you guys looking into those problem areas and coming back and kind of identifying more around the non-emergency services and their numbers. And I know around some of those troubled um, spots in getting immediate assistance. So again, I know that Nicole and other council members brought that up and I look forward to you guys coming back and providing um, a little bit more information. And I appreciate the efforts that you are trying to do um, I don't go down there much, and I have noticed, again, like everyone else, a slight difference, but I think we we'll are all agreed there is some more work to do. So I look forward to you guys coming back and, and kind of reporting on some of the issues and concerns um, that we brought up, and um, that's it. Thank you for listening to my comments.
2: Thank you, Denise. Um, so with that, uh, welcome. we'll welcome anybody who's joining virtually if they'd like to make a public comment you can use the raise hand feature or dial star 3 if you're joining by phone so I'll wait and see okay uh, then we will close public comment for this discussion item um, and it looks like we'll be breaking for 15
0: minutes. I'm going Actually, to so in terms of we're a little bit behind schedule so I'd like to suggest that we Abbreviate our break to, to 10 minutes instead of 15 at the max today.
1: Right. I just want to thank you, Lauren, and you all for coming in. we look forward to seeing you again in a couple months.
0: Thank you so
1: much for your weekend. Thank you. Right now we are on 2.26, and we are going back. coming back at 2.
0: Six. thank you everyone As a-
1: Welcome back. everybody. minute. My name is My name is Alex I'm one
0: of the co Wait, we need the captions. Control room, can we have the captioning, please? Thank you. There we go.
1: Let me start one more time. My name is Alex I'm one of the co-chair for Disability, marriage and disability question, Welcome back for um, a break. Right away, I go to item number seven. Um, discussion item accessibility board presented, signaling presented by Jensen Young Francisco MTI. Welcome. Dustin.
10: Members, on one oh. All right. good afternoon, council members. My name is Dustin Young, uh, associate engineer at the SFMTA, here to give a brief overview about our accessible pedestrian signal program, also known as APS. I'm joined uh, here today uh, with my colleagues Geraldine DeLeon and Brian Wu. Uh, so next slide. Hang on, let's. Okay, so exactly what is an APS? So it's uh, it's a device that helps uh, persons with visual impairments to cross uh, the street at signalized intersections, and it does this by using audio or uh, vibrating surfaces. Uh, So on the screen here, I have a, a image of an APS to help you find the APS. It'll make a slow ticking noise, and once you've found the APS uh, during the walk signal, it'll vibrate and make a really fast ticking noise, and sometimes it'll say something like, uh, walk sign is on the cross S. The buttons also has an arrow on it, and that arrow is pointing parallel with the crosswalk. So um, it lines you up uh, as you're crossing, similarly to how the truncated domes of a curb ramp points you in the correct direction of the crosswalk. Again, the uh, braille on the sign has uh, the street name on it. And also, if you hold down the button for a second, it'll give you a message to tell you where you are. For example, it might say, uh, wait to cross uh, Van Ascent Market, wait. Uh, next slide. Uh, so currently we have about 38% of our traffic signals in the city with APS, and uh, specifically on the high injury network, uh, 41% of our signals uh, have APS. So. Uh, In 2021, we did have a a goal in the vision zero action strategy uh, to have at least 40% of signals on the HIN uh, with APS, and I'm uh, glad to report that we have uh, met that goal, Uh, but of course we're uh, not going to rest. We're always trying to add more APS and uh, throughout the city as much as we can. Um, So there, you know, as part of uh, upcoming projects, we're adding uh, over 100 uh, locations with APS uh, in the next few years as part of various streetscape or traffic signal or mini-forward projects. Uh, Next slide. Uh, So uh, just wanted to discuss some of the requirements uh, that are needed before we can actually install an APS at an intersection. Uh, for example uh, we need pedestrian countdown signals at an intersection before we can install the APS. It's mainly because the APS button uses the walk indications of the pedestrian signal to know when to communicate uh, when the walk signal is on. Uh, So as you can see on the screen here uh, at Mason and Union this is an intersection that's lacking those countdown signals. Also when we add new APS, we may need to add additional wiring underneath uh, the, the the street, uh, and sometimes the infrastructure at an intersection is so old that uh, the the pipes that hold the the wires are the full or damaged, and they can't accept new wiring. So sometimes we need to to excavate the street in order to add APS, and also. When we do excavate the street, we might need to install additional uh, accessible curb ramps uh, to meet the latest standards. As you can see at, uh, at on the photo, it's this intersection is also lacking the curb ramps uh, that that would come if we were to excavate <coughs> this intersection. Uh, next slide. Uh, so here uh, at on the on the photo on the screen is 19th and Judah. It has relatively new infrastructure. Uh, so, it had, was relatively inexpensive to install APS at this intersection, only approximately $30,000. Um, on the upper end, uh, the, the previous slide noted uh, at Mason Union where we were lacking a lot of uh, features and the, the signal infrastructure there was relatively old. Uh, trying to install new APS at that intersection would uh, run up to a million dollars just to again and do the curb ramps and replace all the infrastructure at that intersection just because uh, the conditions there are, uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot of upgrades in the past. Uh, Next slide. So because of the the, the large cost of APS, uh, we have a policy at a certain day, anytime we're doing a brand new signal or doing a large renovation of an existing signal uh, to install APS by default. And by doing that, uh, we really get a lot of uh, cost efficiencies to do it, to design it from uh, the beginning instead of trying to retrofit an intersection after the fact to install. Uh, So uh, again, uh, anytime we're doing a large streetscape or traffic signal projects, the APS is typically baked in from the start. Uh, Next slide. Uh, so if a citizen uh, encounters an intersection and would like to add APS to an existing signal, uh, they're free to call 311 and uh, that request uh, I would typically receive. And um, once I get the request, I will uh, score it based on various factors. For example, if uh, intersection is near a hospital or is near muni lines or a busy commercial corridor that would get additional points and once an intersection is ranked I will uh, respond to the to request requester, letting them know of the rank and kind of give them an idea of when they might be able to expect uh, the APS uh, to be installed so normally I respond within 90 days. So typically, typical response time has been about a couple of weeks for me to respond. Um, so currently there's 70 locations in the city that have been requested by the public that, uh, that uh, currently, uh, uh, that, don't, that, that have been requested by the public but have not yet had APS installed. Uh, the vast majority of those requests, we do have uh, a project coming up or identified funding for it to uh, install APS uh, typically within the next few years, and for those locations that uh, that need additional funding, uh, you know, but will uh, fulfill those requ- those requests as uh, funding becomes available. Uh, next slide. So I, I will have to uh, plug our website. It has a lot of helpful information about our APS program. Um, if you uh, again the, the web links on the on the screen but uh, another easy way to find it is to to just search in your favorite search engine for SFMTA space APS and it's typically the first link that'll pop up um, and on this uh, I've also circled on the web page there's a link um, where it has uh, the lists of locations that have been requested as well as a, a brief status update about whether an intersection is funding f- funded, or if it's awaiting additional funding before it can be installed. Uh, next slide. Um, so again, our APS buttons um, uh, are exposed to the elements, so they they may need maintenance uh, periodically over time. So the best way to to reach us is to call three one one, and our amazing Signal Shop staff will uh, typically respond within twenty four hours uh... to to address the request uh, the common issues with the buttons uh... is that the speaker might not be working or maybe the button uh, stops vibrating and sometimes we we do receive requests about the volume uh, either being too loud and people can't sleep or maybe it might be too quiet and uh... people have issues hearing uh... The, the button. So uh, again, through a 311 re- request uh, is the best way to for us to address those issues. Um, and I, I should note that the, the buttons do adjust the volume uh, based on the ambient noise. So you know it's not a set volume uh, all day. Uh, so you know it can fluctuate based on uh, what the, the ambient sound is. Uh, next slide. Um, and lastly, uh, again, I, I do want to plug our website again that it has lots of uh, helpful information about our APS program and it's uh, periodically updated And uh, you know we, uh, we're, we're happy to do a lot of uh, outreach to to, to get uh, people more information about the APS program because uh, we've heard that uh, perhaps there's not a lot of uh, information or it's uh, people uh, haven't te- heard a lot about our APS program. Um, so uh, recently we've uh, been uh, uh, p- providing twice yearly reports uh, to various organizations, uh, as, as noted, uh, to, to WACSF uh, Lighthouse for the Blind, California Council for the Blind, and the Independent Living Resource Center to, to give them reports about our, our status, and also we've uh, partnered with uh, several organizations uh, recently as noted on the on the screen uh, to try to, to get more people aware of our program uh, because Oof. we want people to know that uh, if they do have uh, an intersection, that they have uh, issues navigating, that there is a formal process that they can request to add APS uh, so that it can make uh, make their travels through the city uh, easier and safer. Um, that's, uh, the end of my presentation. I'd be happy to, uh, take any questions. Before
0: we go to, um, before we go to the council members, thank you. I, if you wouldn't mind, do you have the web link available that you could read out loud? Not everyone can oh, uh, sure. see the slides. And so it would be great to, uh, read that since you referenced it a couple of times. Uh, If you have that URL, that would be great to read.
10: Yeah, so again, uh, searching for, uh, in your favorite search engine, uh, SFMTA uh, space APS is probably the quickest way to go. Um, And and the PowerPoint uh, that's posted online, I believe, has the, um, uh, you can click on some of the links and it'll work. But uh, just to spell it out for folks, it's HTTPS semicolon slash slash www.sfmta.com uh, slash getting dash around slash walk slash uh, accessible dash pedestrian dash signals.
0: Great, thank you. And I just also want to acknowledge for on behalf of the council that um, uh, Director Hinsey from the MTA board is also Uh, here and listening as a panelist, uh, in case you'd want to invite uh, Fiona to ask questions as well. Hello, Fiona. Thank you for coming. Um, And that's all. I'll pass it back to you, Co-Chair Madrid. Thank you. Now uh, I'm
1: going to um, question members' questions and then the staff, and then we're going to I'll open up to the public for questions. So right now we have Councilmember member Sassoonie has a question. Let's. Okay.
6: Hello, this is uh, council member Sasuni. Thank you for your presentation. I do have a few concerns I'd like to raise. And let me give a little bit of background and context first. I represent the deaf and hard of hearing community.
0: One second, please. Control room, can we have the uh, camera
6: on Councilmember Member Sasuni, please? Thank you. Let me start over. Thank you again for your presentation. First, I work within the deaf and hard of hearing community. And also, this includes deaf-blind individuals. I know of an individual who is deaf blind, lives uh, and ex- lives in the Civic Center area, and there are some signals that are uh, do not have the APS system there, and this individual like to travel to the Lighthouse for the Blind. So, for deaf blind individuals, it's very important to have um, safe passage with engaging uh, traffic, especially um, if someone has a cane that's broken. Uh, or maybe their service dog um, had run off, and so there can be quite a few issues with navigating traffic safely, and this can be very traumatic for deafblind individuals, very scary, and my, and this individual actually spoke to me about this. My concern is that there are, are also in places, intersections with stop signs, stop signals, and so forth, and drivers are not patient, they're not consistent, they, and they don't always um, uh, obey the traffic laws in some of these locations. And I really don't know how the all of these signals will coordinate for accessibility. Are there plans to replace some signals that just have blinking lights or stop signs? Um, sometimes there, there are some issues with the lights, uh, and people have uh, it's it's there's a one intersection I'm thinking about uh, Valencia at Dubos where there's a new design for cyclists for runners and the cars have to, and navigate the cyclist and um, pedestrian running traffic. And I know those are expensive infrastructure changes. So I'm just think raising this individual scenario to give you an an anchor for what this might look like. And I'm wondering what your plans are to address some of these concerns for our community.
11: Uh, Thank you, committee members. Uh, My name is Bryant Wu. I'm a senior traffic engineer AND I uh, LEAD THE TEAM OF uh, ENGINEERS RESPONSIBLE FOR REPLACING AND INSTALLING NEW TRAFFIC SIGNALS. AND I COULDN'T AGREE MORE WITH ALL OF THE POINTS RAISED. AND IN FACT, ALL OF THESE ISSUES HAVE BEEN THOROUGHLY DOCUMENTED IN OUR PROCESS TO RANK REQUESTED LOCATIONS FOR INSTALLING ACCESSIBLE PEDESTRIAN SIGNALS. SO MANY OF THE FACTORS IN THAT RANKING INCLUDE THE PROXIMITY TO LOCATIONS SUCH AS (laughs) lighthouse for the blind Uh, other factors include a complex intersection layout where it's uh, more challenging to orient yourself before crossing Um, other factors include more complicated signal operations where as you've noted for example uh, pedestrians uh, wouldn't necessarily uh, get the walk signal at the same time as vehicles uh, getting a green light and uh, especially those uh, who are visually impaired are listening for the audio cue of uh, vehicles traveling parallel to them. So these are all the factors that we consider uh, in terms of not just where to put APS, but where APS should be installed first. And as noted, uh, we try to do our, our best in terms of taking that ranking into consideration um, and uh, part of our ability to uh, upgrade this infrastructure is dependent, of course, on uh, its age and other projects that would be going on that we could piggyback and thus reduce uh, the costs. So certainly it's a, it's a balance and um, I, can, I can tell you that um, we do have some plans to try and upgrade the signals, uh, especially in the uh, underserved areas such as at Tenderloin in close proximity to Civic Center. We're gonna try and get those funds and certainly we keep uh, the various stakeholders uh, informed as to our efforts to add APS throughout the city. But every one of these concerns that uh, your friend has raised, uh, we're fully cognizant of and have factored completely.
6: Just to clarify, this is not a friend, it's a community member, it's an individual, a member of my community, but not not a friend.
11: Uh, uh, Thank you, Um, my comment to that is it doesn't matter uh, they're a person that may or may not reside in San Francisco. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that they're here.
6: Thank you. Um, I do have additional comments I'd like to make um, regarding uh, the issue of being deaf-blind as well. You, you spoke to several issues related with visibility. Uh, navigation, but think about this uh, for a second from a deaf-blind individual's perspective. If someone doesn't have a cane that's working, or maybe they have vision loss to a fine point, where they can see at a uh, maybe a very a fraction of um, of ha- they have a fraction of their visibility, or they rather they have um, a very small. Some of the blindness works in different ways, and you might have a very small pinpoint of vision. And touch would be a very important factor for deaf-blind people. So the vibrating um, feature is very important, and the timed option with that vibrating f- feature has sometimes different beats that show when it's not uh, accessible to walk at a certain point. But sometimes it doesn't coincide with the light and the timed walk for someone to be able to make safe passage across an intersection. So it's an issue of not just not just accessibility through for a deaf-blind individual, but also for, um, for the timed crossing with the light?
11: Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the accessible pedestrian signal operates exactly the same as a regular pedestrian signal, and it is entirely possible for the walk to come on before the green it's also possible for the walk to come on after the green. And depending on what we're trying to do at the intersection, that certainly uh, leans toward what would appear to be an inconsistency. Uh, the best I could say is that we mirror exactly what the regular signal does, and our messages are already are always consistent, unless there's a problem with the button, uh, because the accessible pedestrian signal gets the electrical signal from the regular pedestrian signal, so they're always matching. So it's just, I, I think uh, uh, the, the concern is, is more how not every crossing operates the same uh, as every other intersection, and, and thus the importance for every pedestrian, uh, disabled or not, to basically follow the signal, as they should.
1: That's good. I see has question.
6: I would like to continue. Um, so I still had a point to make. So the issue is also when a person, um, not just any individual, but I'm talk, thinking about a deaf-blind individual, I want to emphasize those particular d- disabilities, because you're, it, might, it does take time to develop these systems and the understanding of them. And it's great that you have some in place, but it, it needs to be more consistent for those individuals specifically.
11: Absolutely. Um, we started installing accessible pedestrian signals you know over 10 years ago. And, and since that time, uh, the standards have, have become, uh, I don't wanna say more rigid, but more specific would be the rest term. So for somebody who is deaf and blind or has a particular type of uh, vision impairment, that's where the the standards and the consistency are are more critical than ever. Uh, Just giving some examples would be the orientation of the truncated domes, uh, the orientation and or number of curb ramps, uh, openings, for example, in medians. the placement of the button and its proximity to the crosswalk, as well as, for example, adjacent to a flat landing area where an individual could press the button and and wait in reasonable comfort uh, before the walk signal arrives, um, the location of the regular pedestrian signal, uh, consistent and in alignment with the crosswalk, Uh, in the event that, for example, they have a a pinpoint uh, cone of vision. Um, So these are all factors um, that I think uh, need to be part of a cohesive system um, that would address uh, many of these concerns. Um, Our biggest, one of our bigger worries are some new technologies or proprietary technologies, using a phone or, or some other type of device, something that uh, the city as a whole could not possibly manage or be responsible for. Um, what we wanna do is we wanna make sure that the way we run our city uh, basically just follows the book and everybody else uh, really should be doing the same.
6: Thank you so
1: much. Do you have any questions? Thank you. Thank um, you.
7: Good afternoon, um, team from SFMTA. Um, welcome. And um, I just want to say that uh, it, it's been a pleasure working with you in the past, and I appreciate all the outreach that you have done um, with Lighthouse for the Blind. Um, and, and other agencies. Um, one thing, I, I, you um, already stole my thunder when you mentioned uh, <laughs> a type of intersection that I wanted to stress, and it was um, one, Bryant, that you mentioned where there is a delay um, for the traffic to move after the light has turned green, Um or I'm sorry, that you're allowing the pedestrians to move step off first before the traffic can move. Um, And for someone like me who is a blind person, um, I mean, I've been at intersections before where people next to me will start walking across the street, and I don't know that the signal has already, you know, where there's no APS. And I don't know that the walk sign has has been illuminated and they're going, come on, come on, it's time to go. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not going because I number one just don't trust everybody. But I for for all I know, you know, it's not there could not be there may not be a walk sign. It still could say don't walk, but they just don't see any cars coming. But I am trained by my OM instructor to go with the flow of traffic. So if the flow of traffic hasn't moved, I'm not moving. Um, but what I'm trying to say is, um, I believe at those type of intersections, that that should be a priority for an accessible pedestrian signal, because um, if I don't move until the traffic's moving, then I feel like I'm losing a chunk of time um, until I start crossing the street because everyone else has already gone, and they are, you know, there's only a certain amount of time allotted um, for pedestrians to cross a street, but again, I am not going to move until I hear the flow of traffic. I'm not just going to take someone's word for it. So I hope that makes sense. And I would really want to reiterate the um, priority to be given to those types of intersections for um, people who are blind.
11: Uh, ag- Agreed, thank you. Um, in our ranking system, um, We have a a high score, an extra number of points, for example, that is given for the following type of signal operations. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first being a what we call a pedestrian scramble, where all the crossings are going all at the same time. And in that specific case, of course, you never have any vehicles going into the intersection. So, of course, uh, that uh, ranks very high. Um, An equivalent score In other words, the same score is given uh, when you have what we call the leading pedestrian interval where the walk signal will come on uh, Mm -hmm. about four seconds before the green light. Mm -hmm. And uh, same situation for uh, (laughs) what we call a leading bike interval. This is where uh, the bikes and the peds will get uh, to enter the intersection before the vehicles all three scenarios get the same high rank score uh, because we recognize the absence of that audio cue for those who are visually impaired.
7: Okay. Um, Thank you. And I just wanted to bring up one more thing. Um, Are you, I'm sure you're familiar with the lawsuit that was brought up in New York City by the American Council for the Blind against the city of New York.
11: Uh, and Chicago now.
7: And Chicago, yes. Well, specifically looking at the, uh, the New York case. Um, so it was um, started in 2018. And then it, the decision was made in 2021. And the federal judge ruled um, that Um, Well, number one, it was a violation of the civil rights against people with disabilities. And as part of the ruling, the Transportation Department um, has to install by 2031, which was 10 years from 2021, 10,000 APS signals. And I'm thinking to myself, that's... 10,000 signals in 10 years—that's an average of a thousand APSs a year. I mean, it's not rocket science math, but I'm just—and <laughs> um, I'm—and I'm going. Well, you know, that'd be fantastic because by that, you know, in in one year, we could have had all of the APSs needed in San Francisco taken care of. So. What, how do you think a city like New York, I mean, I know it's a lot bigger than San Francisco, what if San Francisco had the goal of within one year just finishing off all of the APSs that we have left to go and then we're 100% done? Um <laughs>
11: I'm, I'm, tra- I'm, I'm trying to uh, uh, I'M TRYING TO uh, ANSWER THE QUESTION uh, uh, SENSITIVE TO uh, ALL PARTNERING AGENCIES. OKAY. Um, THE REALISTIC ANSWER IS THE ONLY WAY THAT YOU CAN uh, uh, ROLL OUT THAT MANY APS IN SUCH A SHORT TIME Mm -hmm. um, IS IF uh, ONE you're ordered to by a judge and thus have certain, uh, powers for lack of a better word, um, to hit that target. And that means of course, uh, a response would be an allocation of resources, uh, money, staff, uh, time, uh, dedicated, uh, specifically to that effort. Um, combined with an acknowledgement that um, all 10,000 locations aren't going to be perfect. I like to use the term more perfect in terms of accessibility, but you may not necessarily hit every single accessibility target that we try to do when we uh, roll out every one of these. So. Um, I think from a design standpoint, uh, they make certain compromises uh, in order to hit that target. Uh, And ultimately it becomes a a question of uh, how many compromises uh, do do we need to make to actually hit that goal? So it is uh, not necessarily a a comfortable conversation or a comfortable uh, position to be in because Um, Those type of choices uh, inevitably um, help one group and doesn't help necessarily another. So um, I don't want to throw other agencies under a bus, um, but it uh, is definitely a a tough choice that that they are in. And uh, I feel much better about uh, basically putting together a complete package for every intersection that we touch?
7: I appreciate that answer, Bryant. And um, one thing I'm asking, um, the SFMTA and specifically the APS team, if they could come back and let us know a concrete plan for a target um, for 100% installation of APS signals
11: Um certainly we, we could do that um, I think it would take a a lot of partnering with a, a lot of agencies and to come up with that plan it, it wouldn't be just uh, my team of course and like I said we do try to piggyback with a lot of other agencies and projects that are going on mm-hmm. um, but we'd have to uh, really get together and see uh, how to put a plan like that together. And I, I know that uh, Nicole here is uh, nodding, and I think uh, uh, I think that uh, certainly we can put a plan together with that, but yeah. uh, it would have to be uh, several months down the road.
7: Yeah, that, that's fine. I, I just, it's just, you know, to say colloquially, it's a sad social commentary when you have to um, bring in, you know, the legal system to get something done but I do appreciate your comment about compromise would have to be made. So thank you so much for your answer.
11: Thank you.
1: Thank you, sir. Uh, I think Any um, I do, I do council member online asked a question.
2: Denise, go ahead and uh, make your comment. I see your hand is raised.
9: Thank you very much um uh first of all i had several issues i wanted to address with regards to this um uh, presentation but uh my fellow council members have uh, very articulated those issues and concerns so my question and i want to thank the presenters for being here and taking these uh questions is when you talked about um funding within the next year two years depending on uh funding you know allocation based on the outreach that you stated that you've done and the calls that you received from 311. And tying in with co-chair Ambrose had mentioned about coming back with a specific plan of the locations. And even though there's uh, several agencies involved, and I appreciate that you wanna do this right when you do the APS installation to be able to, to serve the disability community. Um, but just to have a target to get an idea, because funding and resources and staffing, I think will always you know be an issue. So we have to do the best that we can with the funding. So if we would have some sort of idea of the designation target areas for the APSs, and to just give a, a general um target as how many when and where would be you know very helpful because the council members along with you said you receive input that you respond anywhere between two weeks and 90 days have kind of identified the the key areas and whatever you know comments you're going to receive during public comment you know need to be addressed so i'd really like to see something like that whatever you guys can put together and outlining that i think would be um very helpful and give give the community, an idea that you're hearing, you know their input. You have an idea of what needs to be done. What are the standards? You know what works. So that's about it um, uh, for my comment, and I thank you for listening.
1: Thank, before go, thank you, Dennis. Before going to the stuff, I have questions for you. Uh, one is that um, with those. APS. I know this well. I yes, I see those APS because I use a wheelchair and I need to be on the ramp, right? And most of the time, those APS is the either side of um um. I just curious is that intentional or a mistake of engineering aspects and is it possible that it needs to be fixed? That's one. And the second thing is that I'm curious to know how many Intersections of those things that needs to be fixed and needs to be updated according to quote unquote standards among in San Francisco.
11: Okay. Um, I think... Uh The first question I I interpret as um, the inconsistent placement of the button relative to the crossing and the location of the ramp. Yes. So um, you bring up an excellent point. Um, They're not always consistent. um, And much of it has to do with what we can actually install. Uh, based on the infrastructure that's there. Um, We've heard it very, very clear from uh, MOD and from Kevin Jensen is that the first and primary target is at all costs to uh, have two separate buttons and those two separate buttons be located a minimum of 10 feet apart so that uh, somebody with a disability doesn't misconstrue one button for the other. Um, Other factors deal with uh, the age of the infrastructure at the corner, the location of the ramp, the location of the flat landing area next to the button, if that exists, or if not an acceptable flat landing area, the flat test possible landing area. Um, There are a whole bunch of factors, and in some cases um, we've seen in some of our newer locations, in order to meet all of these competing requirements, um, sometimes the button is is seemingly inexplicably placed right in the middle of a sidewalk, Uh, and some might view that as obstructing the normal accessible path of travel when in contrary that's exactly what we're trying to provide. Um, these are examples of uh, the challenges that we run to when we're out in the street and we try to do our best. Um, we have essentially uh, a list of a good 10 different competing uh, design guidelines and requirements and because they are often so competing we actually rank them uh, with, of course, M.O.D.s and others' input uh, to determine what we care the most about. So uh, certainly I, I can understand your uh, frustration or any user's frustration with the inconsistency, but just uh, just know that uh, we did our best with what we had out there. Um,
1: so, are there any- Going back on that thank you for that that um, information. I just curious if are there any plans on improving the aspect <laughs> instead of putting on the other side putting in the correct or in the right way on um, next to the ramp, for instance?
11: Yes, so the answer is it depends. Um, In some cases, um, we had no choice, perhaps, because the sidewalk itself was very narrow. And putting the button on that particular side would make the sidewalk too narrow to meet ADA requirements. Um, that, that's one uh, common example. Uh, the more, uh, the even more common example would be our earliest installations uh, where the buttons could uh, arguably be too far away from uh, the crosswalk. Uh, that is of particular concern at uh, locations uh, where there is a median and you're halfway across the crossing and you are in the middle, essentially in the middle of the intersection and you want to finish your crossing and maybe the button's uh, a little bit too far out of reach, especially if you have a limited uh, hand movements or are in a wheelchair, for example, or other assisted device that uh, requires you to be further away from the curb. so those are the type of of things that uh, we try to go back on especially when we uh replace uh aging buttons and uh where possible i think we're looking into uh, putting in like an extender or something like that so that the reach uh isn't as long as it once was when it was first installed so that's certainly uh part of our uh Of our uh, ongoing improvement when we do routine maintenance, but as far as uh, new infrastructure uh, to replace the old, like new poles and things like that, um,
1: I'm that's about where this. we're more limited. I'm talking about this example on Market streets and most of them seems a new APS, I just wanna point it out, and asking your team to take a look at again, and possibly switching into the other side. The next question I have was, um, have you have a, a plan on or to know how many um, crosswalks in this, in San Francisco needs to install APSs, and what I think some of us already alluded this question, like what's the plan on installing them or improving them?
11: So uh, as I've shared with um, uh, Co-Chair Albers many times, um, the city's goal is 100%. So the exact number is uh, uh, approximately 800 and some odd intersections to go in the city. I agree. Mm -hmm. And uh, multiply that approximately by four, Uh, that would be the number of crosswalks, so about 3,200 crosswalks that still need it. I agree. Um, what is the plan our current plans are of course as I mentioned um, any signal upgrade project any new signal project it goes in automatically Um, as a normal state of good repair um, signals ultimately have to be replaced Um, so I can say that eventually we will get to hundred percent what i'm hearing from the committee here is a desire to come up with a plan that would accelerate that process and to uh basically document uh what it what it would take to essentially uh match uh the rollout that, or the type of rollout that uh, new york is uh being uh, directed to do so uh uh, we're going to have to come up with that a uh, more accelerated plan for you.
1: Thank you. I think um, I think we're just asking about some realistic approach on a number weekly or monthly or within six months you don't need to give us a number by now it's just something to consider. Uh,
11: you I didn't quite understand the question. Are you asking how many months before no, I came out of the plan or no, no
1: no no I just recommended something about not a number per se but a goal per month or per quality. Again, you don't need to answer that. It's something to consider.
11: Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And with that, I'm going to ask the staff if any questions.
0: (coughs) Hello, everyone. This is Nicole speaking. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Dustin, for coming um, and uh, updating us. Um, Certainly, we would support whatever we would need to do to get to and then some sort of analysis, even a baseline one of what it would take to accelerate the program. Um, some, As we know, this is a very significant safety concern. My question is, and it's kind of in the vein of what can this body, what the, can this council do to be helpful? And um, And I know that a lot of it, it does take coordination and I think one of the suggestions that I would have for the council is if we uh, if you choose to bring this item back that maybe it's a collaborative uh, conversation between MTA and Public Works and the PUC and all of the folks who are involved every time that we replace a accessible pedestrian signal and and really kind of learn a little bit more about that um, but towards the um, Towards the question of funding, are there things that we can do to advocate and, or what, um, what can you say about your, your current sources? Are we using the federal infrastructure grant? Are there other grants that we can advocate for? To, what would help us move this along a little bit faster?
11: Um, the first thing I would say, it's very easy for me to just simply say funding but that's not a complete picture. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, it's the type of funding. When you see uh, infrastructure grants and, and safe routes for all grants and and whatever sales tax monies, uh, they're all good intentioned. And, and I don't want to say, for example, that one cause is more important than another. But what I will say is that there isn't, a large sum federal or state type grant to address specifically as accessibility, at least in the quantities that it takes uh, for us to have this type of aggressive uh, rollout or conversion schedule. So when I put together, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being a little bit arrogant. When my team puts together um, a grant application, Um, that grant does not score very well unless we choose a whole variety of different, uh, uh, needs to score well on these, on these grant applications. So while certainly accessibility is, is in there, um, it's not all by itself. And so. Understandably, you know, the funds will get uh, allocated toward uh, very challenging locations like where collisions are happening, uh, where there's a lot of uh, pedestrians and a lot of vehicles per se, and that's all well and good. But it also means that uh, other more outlying locations um, would not score as well and miss and don't necessarily get the same level of funding attention as a result. So, I think the first thing to do would be to advocate for a dedicated uh, grant or a dedicated funding source specifically to uh, accessibility. Um, the second thing I would recommend that this committee do is take uh, New York's example, not just in what they were directed to do, but whatever perhaps design compromises they were willing to make uh, and look at it truly objectively and and determine whether or not those are the type of decisions that San Francisco would be willing to accept in order to help support that type of rollout. Mm -hmm. Um, The third thing that I I would uh, ask uh, the committee to do would be to uh, not just with funding, but to have a a, a larger uh, dedication of staff and or hiring uh, specifically uh, to that purpose of improving accessibility. Um, uh, The MOD is well aware of the staffing shortfalls uh, in the Streets and Highways Program at Public Works and and our ability to uh, design and construct curb ramps. and that remains a challenge for every department um, so um, I, I think from an uh an oversight uh position um i think there are those would be the the three key things that i would recommend you push for
0: thanks for recommending that to this group and i do want to encourage folks as ways to follow up that we um, talk about those things. The last thing I'll say before I say thank you again, and I, I know this is a, it's not an easy topic and you're doing a lot of work, and so thank you for what you're doing. I think as much as we can <clears throat> engage people with different disabilities to get feedback on not only what's required, but how it's actually working, the more that we can uh, find ways to do that and is very, Apparent that we need to work on that specifically with uh, deaf-blind feedback and, and uh, other mechanisms that cause some of these conflicts that we really don't want. Myself as a wheelchair user too often have a hard time uh, depending on the placement of the um, of the signals being able to uh, reach, and I know that's not what we want. So so as much as that we that we can continue to engage community and kind of gathering feedback about what actually works, I think, uh, the better. So I'll, I'll leave my comments there with thanks again and we'll continue uh, working together, please, uh, mm. towards
8: solutions.
11: Thank you for having us.
8: Are there any questions? Yeah, I've got one um, follow-up. And first, again, I reiterate the thanks for your detailed and, and very thoughtful Um, answers and presentation. Um, I think a lot of us have learned a lot um, about a subject that we don't usually get into the weeds on. So I know that's what you do all the time and I really appreciate it. Um, Regarding the, um, the categories of intersections that you talked about earlier, the ones where there's no signal, because everybody's going at once, and the the leading pedestrian and leading bike um, crosswalks. Do you know how many there are of those for which there still are no APSs? And, um, because it seems like that would be very useful data to, to understand
11: uh yeah we can uh put together that that tally that's that's pretty easy to do um what often happens uh is uh uh, that changes are made to the infrastructure uh like uh oh uh, there's a uh, for example a push to install pedestrian scrambles uh in the tenderloin in fact that was something that we we did 11 of them i think in 2021 or 2020, something like that. And the, the, the and that of course creates uh, more of a disparity uh, because the accessible pedestrian signals uh, couldn't follow along at the same time, for example. So uh, we can certainly uh, put that uh, tally together. Um, And um, I think it's imperative that we do because there is, at least from a profession standpoint, a big push to uh, roll out uh, more leading pedestrian intervals, which by default would, uh, you know, shorten the amount of time that uh, co-chair Albers, for example, would uh, hear in order to cross. So uh, that's, that's certainly a situation that is uh, increasing throughout the city.
8: Yeah, I think um, I was personally um, made aware of that heightened risk for people who are relying on the sound of traffic, um, which I had been unaware of uh, by an article that was written by some mobility instructors who work with blind people and visually impaired people. And um, I was in a meeting of uh, a task force of Vision Zero, and the people in that meeting were unaware. Um, And I think many people who welcome the um, leading pedestrian signals for Vision Zero goals just are unaware that if not done Pairing them up with APSs creates uh, increased risk for people who are also targets of Vision Zero?
11: Um, I wouldn't necessarily, uh, not not to discount the issue. Um, What it does is it it creates, it gives less time for the person to cross. And that is certainly an undesirable condition. On the other hand, the good news, if there is at least some, I don't want to be all pessimistic. um, The good news is that if there are other pedestrians present and they have already taken advantage of the early walk signal, that at a minimum, they being in the crosswalk first helps to establish the right of way for all pedestrians, disabled or not, uh, before that green light turns on. So that in other words, uh, they're already in the intersection and uh, hopefully r- helping to reestablish uh, their priority for the person right, right. to follow.
8: To keep the cars from jumping the gun.
11: Exactly. Right. Um, so it's, it's not all bad, but certainly when you get less time to cross, it certainly feels bad. And, and I could understand you know, the anxiety that is created in that type of situation.
8: Well, yeah, especially if you know, the, the estimate of how long it takes to cross the street is valid to start with, then anybody who isn't using, isn't able to use that full amount of time <laughs> may likely wind up in the street when the traffic starts in the other direction.
11: And that is uh, yet another reason um, that San Francisco leads the way, I'm gonna pat ourselves on the back here, uh, in terms of providing more pedestrian crossing time than basically every other agency in the Bay Area. So disabled or not, we give you more time to cross because we recognize that we do have an aging population in the country. It isn't just San Francisco. So uh, we we provide more time uh, for an aging population to cross.
8: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I wanna make sure that we're ah. able thank you. I wanna make sure we're able to go to um public, public, public comment. comment. I just want to check with um director Hinsey to see if you would like to say any closing remarks. It looks like she's coming off mute. Uh, sure. Thank you, Fiona. Thank
12: you. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair and staff, and both MTA and MOD staff, and thank you to the council for taking these, uh, up these items, of this item, rather. I um, I just want to appreciate the conversation um, that we had today, and that I thought you, you all brought up some great points and some great questions, um, and that you covered a variety of different types of intersections, which I appreciated. And I appreciated that you really did challenge um, our our agency in terms of what we can do better uh, <clears throat> on this uh, very important safety and vision, <clears throat> vision zero topic. And so I do um, support bringing. Bringing this item back, and I, I would support staff um, coming back as uh, to kind of a plan to look to see uh, what we can do to f- what it would take uh, to fully implement sort of on a New York scale of, 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 um, of, of uh, APS installation. But I know it's going to, it's like uh, Director Bond was mentioning, it, it will it will be a multi-agency collaboration. So I also would support and recommend uh, you all as council members to when you uh, when this item comes back to bring in item uh, departments like DPW and the CPUC to jointly to jointly present along with the MPA. So. I think that those are some good next steps for you as a as a council, and so that's where I would leave this item for you. Thank you, Mr. Chair.
1: Thank you, Fiona, and thank you for coming and that support. Um, again, Brian, and thank you for coming and being a candid. Kind of, Conversation, I hope this is uh, the first and ongoing conversation. And please come back when you get more information to us.
11: It certainly won't be the last and isn't the first either. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Um, now we are going to um, public government.
2: All right. So we'll start with um, any members of the public who are in person joining us today. um, You can uh, make a comment by filling out a speaker card, Uh, and we do have two speaker cards here so far. Um, And you can also just come and line up at the podium. Uh, if you're joining by the WebEx webinar, you may indicate that you'd like to make a public comment um, using the raise hand feature or by dialing star for three if you're joining by phone, um, and you will be recognized and be asked to unmute. Um, so our first speaker that we'll welcome up today is Charlie Doris, right there. And go ahead and start whenever you're ready.
13: My name is Charlie Doris. I'm a legally blind resident of uh, San Francisco. The MTA presentation mentioned that there were about 70 uh, public requested APS that had not been met. That compares to about 800 uh, signalized intersections that do not have an APS. So why there is 70 out there unmet out of 800, it seems like a very low ratio. I myself have. Put in requests for seven or eight, Uh, and I think one reason why that ratio is so low is that people may not understand how easy it is to make a request. Uh, If you use the three one one phone number, it is literally a five-minute phone call, and so I would urge everyone in this room and everyone online to do that. Just pick up the three one, pick up the phone, dial three one one, and in five minutes' time you will have put in a request. And once you hang that phone up, you've done all that you're supposed to do. It's all done. And so that's the way, that's another way I think of bringing um, public pressure on MTA and where they get their funding is, is to have not just 70 unmet public requests, but what about 170 or 270? or maybe instead of one request at one intersection, you have 10 or 20 at one intersection. I think building public pressure on MTA, which in turn they can use to pressure um, their funding sources, basically just becoming a squeaky wheel, is something that should be done, and I would thoroughly encourage it. But again, simply getting a request in Is ridiculously simple it is a piece of cake because I've done it seven or eight times thank you very much
1: thank you for your comment
2: all right and now we'll welcome David Jackson up to make a public comment
14: Thank you very much. Hello, my name is David Jackson. I am a visually impaired resident of San Francisco. I'd like to reiterate what uh, Charlie Joris just spoke about. It is ridiculously simple to make a 311 call, and I can tell you how to do it. Um, So to make this 311 call, call 311. You'll be presented with prompts. Uh number 1 will be We're going to your Okay. Uh, so when you uh, call 311, you'll pre- be presented with prompts. Number 1 will be a prompt for English and other languages including uh a reference to uh, t- uh TTY. Uh when the uh 311 uh, operator comes on, make your request uh, for an installation of an APS. Provide specific information like uh, the street, cross street, and number of corners. After uh, the co- request has been made, um, the operator may also ask you. Uh, um, to provide contact information so that you can find out uh, the status of the request. Uh, you can do that. You don't have to, but it would be helpful to find out how the how the the status of the request uh, is is going on. Um, and then, um, if you ask, how long the request. Uh, or the status of the request will take uh, this response from the the 311 operator will be about 21 days don't be put off by that don't 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 be discouraged by that Um, make as many requests as you want Um, your call is important and once the call has ended it's now something that SFMTA has to do Um, remember APS's are not just for people with visual impairments people who are deaf blind or in wheelchairs they're for everybody in this city it's a way for people to be safer when crossing the streets thank you very much for your time
1: thank you for your time are uh, there any public comment at this time? I online public comment?
2: Um, if there's anybody else who's joining us in person who'd like to come up and make a comment, please feel free. All right, then we'll move to anybody who's joining us through WebEx. If you'd like to make a public comment, please use the raise hand feature or dial star three to indicate that you'd like to make a comment. All right, I don't see any other members of the public who would like to make a comment at this time.
1: Okay, thank you um, again, Brian, thank you for coming and, and i see you guys soon.
11: Will do and thank you very much.
1: Uh, right now we are going to item number eight, um, the Deputy Director,
8: Deborah Kaplan, who is Okay, um, in the last month, there has been one letter uh, message sent to the Mayor's Disability Council from Howard Chabner. Um, he <clears throat> included in his message a, an attachment of a legal lawsuit complaint that was filed um, in New York City. The title of the case is Charles versus City of New York. And it is a lawsuit that is based on disability discrimination laws, including the ADA, Section 504, and uh, state and local legislation um, regarding the ways that the city of New York has established a closed streets program. Um, He references, in particular, the elements of the complaint that describe um, several of the named plaintiffs, of which there are uh, many, many individuals and it describes their disabilities. Um, The lawsuit is, um, was filed in April of this year. Um, And MOD has asked Mr. Chabner to keep us informed about what happens with the proceedings of this case. And uh, you can read about it yourselves uh, in the copy of the message that you've received. Thank you.
1: Um, Now we are going to item number nine, general public comment. Can you please open that to general public comment?
2: Yes, Uh, so at this time, members of the public may address the council on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council, which are not on today's meeting agenda each member of the public may address the council for up to three minutes unless the co-chair determines that, in the interest of time, comments may be limited to a shorter time when there are a large number of public comments. Um, So just as a reminder to the public, uh, if you're joining us in person, you can come up to the podium or fill out a speaker card if you'd like to make a comment. Or if you're joining us via WebEx, um, you can use the raise hand feature or by dialing star three, if you're joining us by phone. So we'll start with anybody who's in person. Uh, Doesn't look like there's anybody (laughs) here right now. Um, So we will move to WebEx then. If anybody's joining us uh, virtually, if they'd like to uh, make a comment, please use the raise hand feature. (laughs) All right, I don't see anybody else who would like to make a public comment at this time, so we will close public comment.
1: Thank you for that. Now we are going to item number 10, information item, council members comments and announcement. Um, Any council members? Thank you. Sherry? None. Um, Denise, any comments or announcements?
9: This is Denise. Hi. I have no comments or announcements at this time. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Denise. I don't have any, um, announcement or comment at this time.
0: Um, Uh, um, happy 88th anniversary, everyone. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you, this council, for what you do, you're all volunteers, and the things that you say to elevate disability access issues in this city make a difference. So in recognition of the ADA birthday, thank you for everything that you do.
1: Thank you, Director Bum, for the um, acknowledgement um, Without objection, Yay. I'm going to adjourn the meeting. And thank you for the staff and, and the interpreters. And then see you guys in September.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone. The meeting's closed.